0: DesignCast podcast, the podcast for design and STEAM educators. Hello and welcome to DesignCast, a podcast where I interview a wide range of excellent guests in design and STEAM education to get their unique perspectives. My name is Jason Reagan, and I use my 20 plus years of experience as a design educator to dig deep into complex issues. This podcast has one simple mission, to create a community of people around the world that are interested in design and STEAM education. Each episode, I chat with guests from all corners of the design world, from classroom teachers to authors, and even to educational consultants. We discuss a wide range of topics that we feel are relevant today. I do want to ask you that if you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, rate, subscribe, share, or download from your favorite podcasting app. This helps the podcast get discovered by listeners that might not find it otherwise. Also, it helps me to continually define the direction of future guests and episodes Welcome back to another episode of DesignCast and I am just absolutely over the moon to have Georgina Dean with me today. Georgina, how are you?
1: Oh, I am super excited to be here. I have been listening to DesignCast for so long in absolute awe of your epic lineup constantly. So thank you for having me. It's so nice to be here.
0: Well, you certainly are among those superstars. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for agreeing to speak with me today. And so Georgina, there's probably maybe one person listening who who does not know who you are. Uh, Most people will definitely know who you are, but do you mind sort of introducing yourself and talking a little bit about your journey into becoming involved in education?
1: yeah with pleasure so thank you everybody for tuning in like Jason said I'm Georgina and currently residing in England in the United Kingdom and I work as director of learning technology for a k-12 independent international boarding school here in England so um really really exciting to be helping them with their digital transformation which I've been doing for a few years but it's interesting you asked you know how I got started in education because it's definitely not not the route that I started in. So shall I just dive straight in then and, and, and share?
0: Please do. I know that everyone's here. They're not here to listen to me, Georgina. So they're not here for me.
1: I disagree. You're super talented. Okay. So for where I started in education, so I basically graduated out of university as a French and music teacher, which probably many people in the profession don't actually know about me. So that's really cool to share on DesignCast. So yeah, I play the flute and some piano and any other music teachers who are listening in will know that you have to be able to play at least the basics on all of the instruments. So that's pretty cool. And then French is a second language. So I taught French immersion in elementary, primary. And when I graduated at a university, I had a dream to go and change the world. So I applied to teach overseas. And I'm really, really excited. I applied to I applied to a school in Russia, one in Australia and one in Egypt. And I remember saying to my parents, I was like, whichever school calls me first, I'm going. And that's exactly what I did. So I got a call at the end of August after graduating. And I literally left a week later to go to Egypt in Cairo, where I taught for, gosh, a long time. So I started as a grade one French immersion teacher. But it's funny, you know, because I don't know how familiar you are with the Canadian education system. But in Canada, you go through your education, like bachelor of education, according to where you want to teach. So whether that's in high school, or whether that's in elementary, etc. So I'm actually certified as a as a high school teacher. But when I went to Egypt, the opening that they had was for grade one, So I actually, my first day as an actual teacher was in a grade one classroom. And I'll never forget the day they sat on a carpet and there were chalkboards in the classrooms, you know, a couple decades ago now. And yeah, I was, I remember saying to my dad too, like before I left for Egypt, I was like, gosh, how am I going to teach little people, you know, because you, you go through your bachelor of education and you do some placements. And so I was working with high school students and I didn't really see myself as an elementary teacher at all. So it was quite the experience, you know, traveling to another country on the other side of the world with another language and another culture, teaching for the very first time in a new country, but then also teaching an age group that you're not used to teaching. So it was full of really exciting challenges to kickstart my career. So that's where it all started anyway.
0: Wow. I can hear you're still excited about it. Actually, I can hear it in your voice, (laughs) which is really amazing. And so, so you were in Egypt for a long time. And then, and then where did you go from there?
1: Yeah. So I basically was there, I think like five or six years. You know, there was some turmoil. So after the, we can say after the second revolution, I decided that I wanted a little bit of a break from from that and a little bit of a change, I guess you could say. So I went to Mexico, back to the other side of the world, because Spanish is the third language that I teach. So I went to Monterrey, which actually borders close to Texas. It's not far from Texas. And I taught at an American school there. So I had experience in the Canadian curriculum, the British curriculum. And then when I went to Mexico, I had the chance to work at an American international school. So that was really, really cool. So to be able to say you've worked across all the curriculums is quite, quite unique too. So that was really fun. But, you know, despite being there and really enjoying that experience, I still really missed Egypt. So I actually returned, believe it or not. And yeah, but it was, it was great. You know, I returned after one year there. Oh, actually, I want to say though, during my time in Mexico, that's where I really started to dive into digital technology, like ed tech education. So before that, you know, the second school that I worked at in Egypt, they had some smart boards, but there was no like, you know, there was no iPads or anything like that. So when I went to Mexico, all of a sudden I had like this little cart of iPads that was in my classroom and I was introduced to Apple technology. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like, This is like really big and I was so excited and I started diving in and, you know, the IT teams there, they actually taught me how to, you know, MTM manage my own Apple cart and my own apps that were going on them for students, started diving into PBL, project based learning. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. And the kids were like really engaged and we did some amazing things. I think one of the first, one of the first apps that really caught my attention for storytelling was Poplet. Do you remember back in the day? Have you heard of Poplet before?
0: I have not heard of Poplet.
1: Yeah, it's Can you like, tell me more about it? <laughs> I actually haven't used it recently, so I don't even know if it still exists. But back in the day, it was this, it's a little app. It's like blue with the icon with the letter P, and it's got little boxes that connect to each other. So a little bit like mind mapping, but inside those boxes, you can add images or text or you can draw so it allows students to not only like brainstorm obviously as I'm sure you can imagine but it also really good for storytelling right so like narratives after they've done some reading or they want to start some writing they can map out their paragraphs etc so that was really cool the kids really loved doing that and yeah when I went back to Cairo I joined I joined another British school there and there was a little bit of tech but not too much And I started to, you know, share, I started to plant some seeds along the way. Hey guys, we can use this. We can do this. Joined a digital leaders team over there. And then I started leading in this area. So then I started to uh, suggest different ways that we can help improve teaching and learning by actually supporting ed tech integration. And then Google released the beta for classrooms again, back in the day, that's a while ago now. And I took it up and I said, I remember saying to like leaders, hey, like, let's get on this. This could be really cool for allowing students to connect with material, save paper, you know, all those amazing things, right, that digital can help the environment with as well as learning. So we did that. So we started with Google Classrooms and then it just took off from there. So that was my first cloud migration that I supported the school with from Microsoft into Google. And started going into classrooms and supporting teachers. And this was before, like, you know, the Google Certified Coach or any other instructional coaching became available. And they're not always at the forefront, at least in the African countries, I would say, oh, maybe not in your area either, right? It's been an interesting journey. I would say that I'm very self-taught. So like pick up from other people sharing with me, go through courses. I did my first Google admin course actually was through Coursera. So that was also some years ago now. But it was really good because it really helps you. That Coursera course actually is really helpful for those who are just beginning in education technology and are interested to look into more behind the scenes. You know, those educators and instructional coaches and toses I think they're called in North America, they all exist out there where people are doing a bit of training and or a bit of coaching. And they'd like, well, how does this work behind the scenes? Because, you know, Jason, unlike our you know, international schools, some countries have like districts or academies, et cetera, where there is a director who actually manages the back end, you know, of a cloud solution for schools. So it's very interesting. And a lot of people are curious, how does it work and how can you, you know, add an add-on in, in the console and different things like that, whether you're working with Microsoft Teams or Google, et cetera. So anyway, I could talk to you for hours. I don't know where <laughs> you'd like to, whenever you'd like to move on to something else. But but yeah, I'd say that Mexico is definitely where I started my my passion for ed tech and then When I returned to Egypt, it just grew really rapidly from there. After some more years in Egypt, we then moved to uh, Jordan, which is also a country in the Middle East. And I worked as director of learning technology there for a few years. Again, that was my second um, school's digital transformation. And then now I'm back in England, in the UK, where I'm going to be helping my third school with their digital transformation. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Continuing to pay it forward. That's <laughs> fantastic. That. So actually, it was great to hear that because you've segued into my next kind of question, which is when when I look at your Twitter handle or anything, you you have an alphabet soup, which follows behind <laughs> your name. You have so many accolades and things that you've done, which is just so impressive. And so can you just let me in a little bit on what kind of projects you're you're doing and are really excited about?
1: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. For those who are listening in and that know me know that I'm not like a massive fan of, of badges and, and all those sorts of things, although they work really well. So I'm definitely not downplaying them, you know, and students love them too, etc. But for myself, I'm really focused on achieving things that are going to help me drive my learning forward as an ed tech leader, I guess you could say. So whatever skills that I can pick up is really important for me. So there are a couple of programs that stood out. I recently just got certified as an ISTE certified educator. So shout out to ISTE. I don't know if you're familiar with that program or not, Jason. Oh, yeah. Or... yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Great job, a...
0: Georgina. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. No, <laughs> no,
0: that's not that one's very, that's a lot of heavy lifting.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say like, so, you know, not to scare people because I think, it's an amazing opportunity to learn and grow and develop skills and grow your professional learning network. It's just incredible, but it is, it does take a lot of work. So I think it's about 10 to 11 months total. You start with some in-person learning, then there's asynchronous online modules. And then after that, you basically have, you know, six to, I think it's eight months or a little bit longer to do your portfolio. And you literally build Portfolio evidence towards a variety of different criteria that show your understanding of the importance of education technology as a driving force in education that supports pedagogy in a meaningful way, right? And I think that's really, really important. I think sometimes that gets lost along the way, especially since we rapidly had to move through COVID. And then uh, your portfolio goes through submission, and then here we are. So it's, But it's a great way to celebrate also your milestones, your learning as you go through the program. And I think as we work through the portfolio process, I think also you get to see like where are your strengths, where are your challenges, and it allows you to grow Grow at the same time. So celebration, growing, all of that good stuff is in there. So ISTE is a really great one that just I just completed a few months ago. And as I'm sure you already know, I'm a podcaster and so, so I'm sure you're waiting for that one. So 3CCs three, three is the podcast that I was a part of with Shannon and Becky. So shout out to 3CCs. We finished that in yeah, just before I moved actually over to England. So a couple of us were moving different countries and going into new roles. So we decided to take a, a break and and see where else life will take us. But that also brings me to my next little tidbit. So I'm actually going to be starting a new podcast all by myself very soon. So I don't want to give too much away yet, but I did I thought that I would just share that with you in case anybody was listening. So stay tuned. That'll be coming out in the next month or two some really I can't uh, wait yeah I'm so excited about that I'm so, excited too yes thank you so stay tuned for that so the podcast adventure continues I guess you could say and another project that I'm doing that I'm really really excited about is actually a code breaker project so I know you're also part of that community so <laughs> that's also really exciting so I'm, I'm currently writing a book for the code breaker team yet yeah, and it's actually my very first book. So I'm really, really excited. Creativity has been a really big part of my journey. The last, I would, I would say since I really got into education technology, because in order to unpack creative ways of using EdTech, you you do need to get creative with that, right? It's not just about turn the power on and use it. How well? how are you using it? And how can we, you know, app smash different things, et cetera. So it really is a creative process. So as far as my digital transformation goes, that led really nicely. I've been very grateful to have some really amazing successes as a leader, you know, as a director in the school, leading uh, different teams of people, IT teams, digital leader teams of teachers of students team teaching all kinds of stuff and it's been you know as I said I'm really grateful that it's been successful so I thought why not share that journey and help others who are also along the same journey so the book is all about creative leadership and ways that we can support organizational transformation, digital transformation, a little bit on instructional coaching in there, but mostly how can we be creative, keep relationships at the forefront? So I'm really excited. I'm hoping, I I, I don't want to quote the exact date, obviously, because it also depends on editing and publishing, of course, but I hope to finish it you know before the end of 2021 and then hopefully you know published in the next year or two but don't quote me on any dates it it all depends on the process yeah but I'm excited it'll be my first book and I'm I just turned 40 actually um congratulations thank you not recently like oh welcome yeah to the 40s there you go No, but I turned 46 months ago and I said to myself, oh, what a great way to start your 40s with a book, right? So I thought that would be really cool. So I'm excited about that. And then there was the podcast, like I mentioned. And then I also do a lot of different audio spaces. So I don't know if you're you're interested to hear about that. Let me know.
0: I am always interested. I mean, (laughs) obviously, I'm a fan of the audio medium. I feel that it is incredibly versatile. It's great for people to listen to on the go. You can have it on when you're cutting onions or washing dishes right? or, you know, doing other things, making the bed. And I find that the dialogue is so rich. It, it brings me back to the days of radio, right? It brings you back yeah. to thinking about, I used to listen to radio plays, even when we had television, I just love <laughs> the, the mental images that came to mind as I listened to all these different sounds and people. So I am always on board to listen to some, some audio spaces. So Take it away, Georgina.
1: <laughs> no, it's really cool. And I was actually, you know, we connected before at my last job and you shared about Gosynth in at the teach meet in jordan and so i was really so i'd love yeah i definitely definitely is there are so many options basically is what i want to say for audio um so i was really grateful to learn about that one from yourself as well and then the ones that that i'm sort of you know involved in and and trying to build communities of connection and conversation in our twitter spaces is is one so actually today uh, today's sunday so we do a sunday Spark on a Sunday evening. So about seven hours from now, every um, Sunday Which evening. Which I would
0: at, love to hear, but it's 3 a.m. for me. So unfortunately, oh, I'm I know. have to listen later. <laughs>
1: Actually, it's one thing too. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about audio spaces now because each of them are very different. And I'm sure that many of your community that listen into your podcast already know about some of these spaces. But if you're new to audio spaces and you haven't been on Twitter spaces yet, it's a great way to connect. Through. You'll see a little purple ring around your app. Avatar and you can join or you can open one in and you can have like 10 people speaking at the same time. They've also opened new features where you can have co-hosts join in. And there's also a new feature where you can raise your hand if you want to speak, although that's another conversation because I'm not a huge fan of that feature, particularly myself. But I do think it's really important because just like we're recording this podcast together today without video, I think that it's really awesome that we can have spaces where educators, leaders, et cetera, we can connect to share and we can learn from each other without having to worry about dressing up or, you know, doing my hair and having my ring light on and all of this. So I think there's something really, really important. And I think, If anything, COVID has taught us that, what do they call that now? Zoom fatigue, I think, and just general video fatigue for kids, right? And for educators. So I think it's important that we provide spaces of options. And, you know, that's something that I'm going to be really big on because I also do some professional development and I lead training, et cetera, at the schools that I work in. And I want to provide options. So if people want to just join by audio, why not? Right. So Twitter spaces is something really great where you can go. So, even you can even open it up. So, I'm thinking about having like short ones, maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you know, during the week or once a month where teachers can just hop on and share, hey, I did this really cool thing in my class today. Check this out. Or here's a really cool resource that worked really well. Or, oh my goodness, we got this new technology and students were able to do X, Y, Z with it, you know. And I just think sometimes we have like really quick, snappy shares. I think that an audio space could be a really great way to do that. Not to mention if you're a parent, you know, and you want to go pick your kids up from, you know, soccer practice after school, etc, but you still want to join professional development, you can, right? Because you can join listening in. So Twitter Spaces is really great for that. And also, I I know because I had a few community members joining in on Twitter Spaces and they actually weren't able to unmute their microphone. So either they were on the bus or they were at a restaurant, you know, and so maybe it's just not possible for them to speak, but they can listen. And so what's really been great with Twitter Spaces is that they can add a tweet underneath my post. And share that way, even though they may not be able to speak. So I find that feature really awesome in Twitter spaces. So if you want to share, but you're not in a position to speak, you can still do it through the tweets. And then as the, as a, as one of the speakers in the Twitter space, you can actually pull that tweet into the top of the room so everybody can read what others would like to share as well. So it kind of, it's really important for me because, you know, 10 people means that not everybody can always speak at the same time, right? But at least people can add their voice by writing that way. So I thought that was really cool. And that allows you to share links and images and resources. So Sunday Sparks, though, just to bring it back to the event itself is all about sparking. So I know, well, not all of them, obviously, but I know a lot of people host like different spaces and events between Monday and Friday during the week. And I just thought to myself, why aren't we like firing up the week ahead? So I thought to myself, let's kickstart Sunday Sparks where we can connect on a Sunday evening and get inspired, share what's sparking us for the week ahead so that we're fired up when we start work on a Monday morning. So it's been super successful. I know I finished Sunday Sparks and I'm always really inspired by what everybody else is doing from different parts of the world. So if you're, you know, reading a book or you've listened to Design Cast and the wonderful Jason, <laughs> then you can come and yes, share about that. No, it's true. <laughs> and some people, you know, we're going to be doing, you know, events at conferences or they have just done one or it could have been an audio space. So they come and they share that as well. So if you would like to just get fired up, maybe you're you know, feeling tired, heading into Monday, join Sunday sparks on Twitter spaces at techie Leader edu is my Twitter handle. So you'll find a purple ring and you can join and uh, we'd love to, to spark and connect together. So that's one space. And then the other space that I lead, which I'm really, really excited about also is breaker space. So this is in skilled space. I think a partner for yes. Synth, right, Jason?
0: Yes. I love it. It's so much fun. I've <laughs> just had struggles with time zones, but I will certainly work that out.
1: <laughs> no. Oh, you're good. Oh, it's interesting you said that because when I first was joining Twitter Spaces, which I'd love to share with the audience, because sometimes, you know, you have this really great idea, you want to start a new project, you want to build your community, but you don't really, you know, know when is a good time to have it. And you think you may think about your audience, obviously, because you may be planning your project, et cetera. When I first started Twitter Spaces, I tried many different times. So being an early riser, I tried very early in my morning so I could catch like North America, which was in their evening. And then like your time zone, Jason, for example, would be the afternoon. And that was actually pretty popular. I got people from Vancouver in Western Canada, et cetera. So, and then I tried some in the afternoon, like a lunchtime audio space, I guess you could say, and then some evenings. So it, it really just depends. you got to find your own, you know, you have to reach out to your community, see how and who you want to connect with and find a time that works for you. But what's great about audio is just that, is that because it's audio and you don't have to worry about getting ready, you could literally open a space up anytime, right? And just connect and share and, and learn and chat. So that's been really great. But Skilled Space is um, really, really awesome. So just really quick shout out to the Swivel team, and Sarah and Brian, who've just been doing absolutely phenomenal things in growing their communities with audio spaces and more. So obviously they have other products as well. But for Skilled Space in particular, what I really love in comparison to Twitter Spaces is that there's no like title underneath your avatar when you join. So you're everybody is the host, you know, there's not one person that's the host, right? So it more feels like a community. And, you know, shout out to Sarah, it was it was her suggestion. Um, She said, you know, just leave your microphone open the very first time that I was in there. And I did. And I found, as I'm going through the conversation that I feel more and more like I'm at a coffee shop. So that really appealed to me in breaker space is that you feel like, You know, you can leave your microphone open. Everybody can talk whenever they want. There's no maximum number of speakers. When you join the space, your microphone is on. So obviously you can mute it when you join. But what's really great is that really warm closeness feeling, you know, like it's not... It's not like you're at a conference and you're just listening to somebody or a panel speaking, right? You can actually join the conversation and you can feel like you're having coffee. You can interrupt each other. You know, it's really, really cool. And what else is really cool is that, you know, if one person has to go, it doesn't mean that the room has to close. Conversation's
0: over. That's right. Right?
1: I I love that part. So cool. Yeah. One day I had like an appointment and I had to scoot off and I said, please keep this amazing conversation going. And they did. And I checked in with somebody after they said they were still talking for like an hour after I left. And I was so excited, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's a really great feature for guild space. And I call it breaker space because it is, it is part of the Codebreaker code breaker community. So sure. yeah. <laughs> and we're just launching actually the, the fall term this Wednesday. So if you guys oh, want to awesome. check that out. Yeah. It's also while you're sleeping, Jason. So don't feel obligated. It's, it's-, it's
0: perfectly fine. Yeah. I'm going to find my <laughs> tribe. Don't worry. My space tribe.
1: I want to, I want to join a couple of them in the morning. So if you do any afternoon ones though, like keep me posted because I'd love to join early morning, you know, over coffee. So yeah, so there's a skilled space in there. And then I guess Clubhouse is the other one that's really popular for educators, right? Are you on Clubhouse, Jason?
0: I I have Yes, I dabble.
1: It'll be interesting to know, or for you to know, maybe you already know this, but like in certain parts of the world, well, obviously, you know, as an international education leader that some applications are not available in certain parts of the world, right? So Clubhouse was one of those where I didn't have access to that when I was in Jordan. And now I have access now that I'm in England. So I'm also going to start to dabble a little bit. And I'm planning to open up more of like a space on coaching and leading and and things like that, maybe on a Tuesday. So watch the uh, Twitterverse space, I guess you could say. And then yeah, I'm looking forward to to dabbling in that but I really you know Jason I really am you know really falling in love with audio spaces more and more oh, man, as you can just be so so yourself and so you know and conversations can be so meaningful when you feel at ease you know and when you're yeah I, I really I can't find the words to describe just how awesome it is but yeah more and more they're growing on me that's for sure Yes. And you know, I
0: think at the time and in, in space we're in, not only with COVID, but just what's going on in the world in the way of equality and acknowledgement of different people, groups and, and whatnot. Mm. I feel like uh, audio is a great equalizer because we're not going to come in with a, with any, you know, suppositions, I guess you yeah. could say. And I've, I find that with with audio, it doesn't matter if I'm in my PJs or I'm in a, a shirt and tie. You know that that I'm just being myself. It's it's a really really authentic version of yourself. I feel yeah, and very vulnerable in a sense, right? I mean, you're really really. There's not there's not a way to really impress in a sense. I mean, yeah, you have a great radio voice, but I mean, that's kind of it, you know. And so <laughs> there's one too, Georgina, that I've been wanting to try out. Which, cause my, my podcast is hosted on anchor and yeah. which is owned by Spotify and they have a new app called green room, which oh. is, is very, very similar to like a skilled space slash clubhouse. And what's okay. nice about it is you can record it and put it into the podcast so oh, you can fine. actually take the whole round table and then it actually you can record it straight into anchor so if you already have a podcast you could have like a a quick chat with a whole host of people like a question and answer session and then mm. it could go into the actual episode which is really fun so i'm anxious to try that out i just haven't had the energy <laughs> to do it right now <laughs> that's because you're doing COVID so fatigue.
1: many no you're doing so many <laughs> awesome epic things that's why oh, and that's, that's a good kind. reason see
0: <laughs> i really I really do. I love the skilled space, particularly as well. And I think that I can see a lot of uses for that. Having a virtual staff room and all these different things, I think is really fun. And people, again, not having these coming in, feeling really timid and worried about what people are going to think. You that's know, it, and it's a it's a chance to to remove that that wall, I guess you could say. And so, Georgina, that's awesome, man. We could talk all day about the audio spaces. I, I know. know
1: you <laughs> can hear me going off, right? Like, yeah, okay, I love
0: it. No, no, I think it's great. I I was hoping we could chat about that for a while. And so, I do want to ask you, Georgina, what have been some of the challenges for you in your role or in some of mm. these other things you're doing? I mean, right now, there's lots of challenges for everyone, but what have been some of the challenges for you in a lot of the roles that you've held in your school?
1: Yeah, this is a really great question. So, you know, one of the biggest things I would say, which I thought was a Middle Eastern issue, but actually what I've learned recently is that it's actually possibly related to the pandemic is devices. So we were really struggling, you know, to acquire Chromebooks over in Jordan. And we thought that that was because of, you know, just getting things through the borders and the Middle East and and taxes, et cetera. But actually I've, I've now relocated to England and it's a similar issue, you know, device shortages. I don't know if you've experienced that also in your part of the world, Jason, but it's, it's difficult to find devices. Some companies have, some don't. I think the turnaround time for production is slower because of the, because of the COVID pandemic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We, we have some issues, but it's It's usually due to, we have no issues with certain devices and much more issues with other kinds of devices. So I think it's more of a, of a, an an industrial power play (laughs) as opposed to, we can get things, but it does sometimes take longer or cost a lot more money. But, but I'm in, I'm in Korea where it's, it's, it's it's pretty easy to get pretty much anything living in China was not, there were definitely things we, we, we were missing. So that was, I, I understand I've, I've been there too. And a lot of people (laughs) listening are in the same boat. They, they would have trouble getting certain kinds of equipment or tools.
1: Yeah, that's it. So you just, you know, it, I don't want to say forces, but it kind of Mm. like enables us to grow more, you know, adaptability, be more Mm -hmm. flexible, be more resourceful and innovative in the way we're using what we have access to. A little bit like STEM, which is not my forte (laughs) of expertise, as I shared with you earlier, but a little bit with like STEM or STEAM, where you have to work with what you have, right? And what can you create with certain different resources? So Mm. I sometimes think that it does, you know, at least an analogy to organizational transformation as well. Sometimes it's not possible either for budget reasons or country Mm. access or whatever the reason is, you can't always acquire what you need. So what are we going to do to really reimagine and be innovative with what we can Mm. accomplish with what we actually have access to?
0: So Georgina, just shifting gears a little bit here. Uh, I always ask the guest on this podcast because I have a good read shelf that I love to put, books on. And so if you had to tell everyone one book to drop everything and read right now, what would it be?
1: It is a really good question. So I have a lot I had to scroll to get ready for this question, just so everybody knows. But I am going to go with James Clear, Atomic Habits. I think it's really, really, really amazing Mm. for people who want to start to find balance and pick up some good habits to develop some routines. And I think that could be really good for back to school and also just rebalancing Mm. after the pandemic. So if you're interested to find out how to build good habits, it's really good. I've actually recommended that book to others that have benefited from it too have you read it yet
0: no but I'm adding it to my list so it will be up there for yeah thank you so much and I've learned so many great books through this podcast so that's the reason I always ask is it's like you know what it's good to get record because there's just too many things out there right you have to find a way to kind of focus it a little I bit. I know.
1: So. And I couldn't <laughs> decide either. So I get it. There's so much content that is, that's really good quality. So yeah, it is.
0: there's a lot of great content out there. And so, and then, so Georgina, thank you so much again. This has been just an absolute blast. I've been so humbled to to have a chance to spend this much time with you. And so I just want to ask you if people want to get in touch with you or to find out about the great work you're doing, what's the best way to do that?
1: thank you for having me. No, it's, it's really an honor for me to get a chance to, to chat with you and to, to learn more about amazing projects you're doing too. (laughs) So thank you for your time. If anybody wants to connect with me, definitely Twitter is a really good place for professional connections at Techie Leader EDU. I'm also on LinkedIn fairly regularly. So you're welcome to connect with me there at Georgina Dean and um, also on Instagram at Redefine Ed ED. So yeah,
0: You, your spaces are really fun and I love to to follow and just sort of watch what's happening with your life. It's been really a great journey. And so thank you for letting me be a part of that and to watch no. along with the, the crazy things that you're doing, which is awesome. <laughs>
1: I was just going to say, it's just so great too, to like celebrate your podcast. Like I know when you share out on Twitter, Mm. it's so lovely to see how far your podcast is reaching to like all the different countries around the world. So, you know, you, you celebrated me a lot today and you celebrate everyone that joins your episode, but I want to take a second to celebrate you because yeah, I think you providing a space for people to share their stories. Also their expertise allows others to connect with each other and allows us to make the world a smaller place, I guess is what I want to say. And mm. I think that it that, that we need more of that. So thank you for you.
0: Thank you. That is so kind. And I could not think of a better way to wrap things up. So Georgina, <laughs> I hope you have a great day and I cannot wait to share this with everybody. So thank you so much and po- folks stay tuned for Georgina's podcast coming up hopefully really soon.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Jason. <laughs>
0: I hope you enjoyed that episode of DesignCast. I'm Jason, your host, and I produced and created this podcast. If you have any input, I would love to hear from you, and I look forward to seeing you again really soon.